go to thecognitiverampage.com. Keep fueling the change. Help continue to allow this to happen. None of this would happen without you and your love and your support. Love you. The Cognitive Rampage, a scientific approach to self-discovery, change, and life optimization, is now available on Amazon. What I do in the book is I fuse the latest research from the cognitive, behavioral, social, environmental, and biological sciences. It's not just motivational fluff and wordplay. Now, I do talk about my own story, so there's some kind of inspiration in there, but I'm not just spinning words and hyping you up with motivational fluff. Whether you need a life change, simply enjoy self-exploration and optimization, want to discover new hidden passions, or reduce the life-altering effects of toil, anxiety, depression, all of those issues, this book is for you. This book is not a cookie-cutter method of steps to follow. You'll customize the scientific framework with your own personal beliefs to build your authentic change. That way you assimilate it faster. It's not just copying my beliefs and telling you step one, step two. These will come from your beliefs. It's how you extend and build the foundation upon this framework. You'll use this framework throughout your whole life, through every change, and through every age. These are not empty words of motivational spin. This book is an experience. The Cognitive Rampage is based in science and is built from your beliefs. It's a path to help you unleash your desired change. You can apply this method on your own with no harmful side effects. Yeah, and welcome to the Cognitive Rampage podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your Cognitive Rampage. Been a good week, actually. Been a good week. Wrapping up pretty strong. It's been fun. You know, I back and doing some old things I used to do a long time ago. Got some big events that I'm actually planning. Uh, Patricia and I are working hard on those couple things, looking to throw a, uh, a concert here soon. Things are getting lovely by the beach, man. I sometimes do run off and end up doing too many projects at once, but uh, I figured you only live once, right? Might as well try everything you want to do. And uh, it's been fun. It's been fun out here. You know, I even I get caught up, man. I get caught up in, you know, some things that I've been doing lately and, when I, when your happiness kind of leans over top of like one connection or one thing that you're doing, at least in my experience, I found it can be detrimental to you. It can be detrimental to you to be relying on, say, that one job or that uh, one thing that you're doing or even that one person, you know, to have, you know, a, a an inner web of people to be able to connect with that can help. But also for me, I like running with a bunch of ideas and, and trying those things out. I've done that for a long time you know, still, you know, tinkering away at writing Athletes Depression and kick that third book out. I've got a couple of other ideas uh, for some books that I also want to write too. Maybe producing a television show in the next couple, probably months. I don't know, four or five, maybe six months. Uh, excited. I'm not going to leave the names out, but he had a television show once before and it may work that way to where we can help produce uh, his new show, which I'm really, really looking forward to do. Uh, one of those check marks you can do off of uh, at least my box anyways to produce a television show. And I think that'll be fun. I'll know more about that in about, uh, I don't know, a couple months probably. I'll, I'll know more where that uh, may develop into. But you never know. The podcast is, I mean, just thank you, everybody who's downloading the podcast. You know, we go live here on Facebook and uh, it really doesn't translate what's happening on iTunes, which I, I love very much. We've uh, Steve and I, who I miss very much. I miss you, Steve Stone, who started this with me back in uh, four years ago, something like that. And we have driven that traffic to iTunes ever since. And it's it's it just looks it's beautiful, man. I'm just so grateful for everyone uh, that that 
listens, that downloads the podcast uh, or shares the podcast or anything that uh, has been helpful along the way. Everyone in the tribe changed. Big love to everyone in the tribe. Uh, they've been so supportive over all these uh, years uh, of me going, all right, I'm done. You know, I'm not podcasting anymore. And then I miss it, you know, and I come back to it. It's where I find a flow state. It's where I get to really express myself. And, you know, I, that's almost like doing therapy for, for myself live on air. Many of these uh, episodes that I ha- have done over the years We're on. Uh, this is episode 212 uh, that we're doing tonight. All of us here hanging together. But it's uh it's been fun so uh, again thank you so much to everybody that downloads even those that you know have bought the book uh and have shared the book they share it on instagram or anywhere else i try to find every book that's been shared and posted and hashtag that with cognitive gratitude as a as a thank you but uh, just so grateful to everyone that uh, takes the time i mean it, when you buy my book like that whether it's the first uh, edition or the second edition I just I get flattered because, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people that say I'm just so honored. You know, you're asking like people honor, you, you know, they're giving you a chance. And so I'm fl- I'm flattered that you, you think about even giving my words a chance, be that on the podcast, be that on my live videos that I do, much less buying the book and, and taking a journey into yourself uh, by reading that book. So um, I, that's like inviting somebody into your conscious, your subconscious, you know, right there and letting me. Uh, echo either in your earbuds or on your laptop or on your phone, whether you're driving somewhere or just sitting at home or, you know, getting through the work day or whenever you listen to the podcast. Um, thank you. You know, thank you for inviting me in, in your lives like that and, and being so accepting. You know, I still will never forget, you know, when I first started uh, the, the show that it was like you get six viewers seven viewers right and i remember i was so happy when when we went over ten thousand downloads uh, on itunes uh, it was a while ago and i was just like wow i couldn't believe it maybe we can make it to 20 you know and we're way beyond that now so thank you for all of these years all the support all the listening all the sharing uh it's meant so much to me that i mean I, i never imagined any of that to be honest with you it was just uh it was more of a mission that i was on that i just needed to get out. I needed to, you know, after I left being a therapist, there was, I don't know, I just had to fight that mission. And I never really imagined it coming this far, you know, interviewing some of the people that I did, et cetera. Never really imagined that far. You know, I just had my head down on a mission to cognitively rampage and trying to keep up that intensity, if you will, for a long time. Uh, it, it's, it wears on you is all I'm saying, you know, it wears on you pretty heavily. And that's probably why you've seen me. I think episode 204, I was going to walk. I was almost done then, you know, the fight life transitioning. But uh, I stick with it. I stick with it. You know, just one that helps me. And I urge you, you know, whatever you're doing, I urge anybody out there, please start your own podcast. Honestly, do a live video. That's why I encourage everybody in the tribe of change. Go live. See how it feels. Get that rush. You may, you know, put yourself in this uncomfortable situation. So many people are can do so many things, but you put a camera on them, you put a microphone in them and man, you get deer in the headlights and they freeze up. And if that's you, I, I challenge you to do that, you know, because the wisdom that you've earned in your life is worth sharing. Even if it doesn't help anybody, if no one watches, it's good for you to put that out there and, and build up uh, your own journal along the way, your own diary, if you will, of your life. And 
if it helps one person, if one person listens, then man, that's so worth it. You know, so many people do reach out to me and they go, you know, I, I want to start my own podcast. Can you, can you send me a list of the gear that you use or this or that and the other? And I go, of course I will, you know, but just do it. Just go live. Well, I'm, I'm waiting. I got to line this up. I have to get this stop. Just go live. I mean, if you want to organize a show, that's awesome. And shows sometimes take organization. This one's just raw. I go live, right? There's no editing here. Even when we send it to iTunes, we don't edit anything. We just kick it out there like it is. But I urge anybody out there, you know, reach out and try to help somebody. You got wisdom. You've earned it. I mean, all that shit that you've been through in life has earned you the wisdom and it can help somebody you know so start a podcast and if you got questions about how to start a podcast just shoot me a message on facebook or email me from the website adamlowry.com and I, I promise you i'll get back to you i try to help out everybody i can and if it can help you you know get live and start doing your own shows then i'm in full support of that anything i can do to try to help that um i certainly will try to help you the best i can but uh, and I mean the same thing for any ideas too. any ideas that you have, man, chase them. It feels so good over this last two weeks. Uh, I've had a few ideas and taken those ideas and, you know, well, I'm trying to not reveal too much. Right. The, the gentleman that I met with uh, who we may be producing a TV show with, we are doing some events with him. But uh, it kind of inspired me for a minute because I had hit a roadblock with this event that I wanted to do, essentially. And I felt myself having to wait on somebody else and how, and, and I don't do that in my life to my own peril. Many times uh, I don't play well with others. Maybe when it comes to business, I have my ideas, what I want to do. We can try it. We can get through it. You know, I don't like waiting around and a lot of ideas I've had, you know, they've fallen on deaf ears. I haven't been able to push them. And so, you know, the gentleman I was sitting with, he said something, you know, I'll try to paraphrase it without giving much away. He's like, you know, I'm not going to worry about what anybody else is charging me or wants to, you know, do to either hinder or slow down what I'm doing. It's my job to make that event go well. And I don't want anybody to dictate that. I want my performance to dictate that. And man, that was that inspiring to me kind of even after an hour after we had met and I was at the house, I'm thinking, man, I did the same thing. I've, I've I don't do that. I have an idea. I want to do it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try it, fail or not, sometimes too fast, again, to my own peril. But I'm not going to leave my life and the things I want to try in other people's indecision. And I urge the same for you, whatever may be holding you back, including your own indecision to try something, be that a podcast, an idea, a new business, whatever that may be, even a relationship, right, that you're just dating somebody, maybe want to go further. I don't know. Whatever that is, I urge you not to waste that time. Don't allow others' decisions to hold you up from what you do, especially your own indecision. Because in that indecision, that's where I talk so much about where toil, regret, wonder, woulda, shoulda, couldas come from. You know, you don't want those. You don't want that long-term pain, you know? So uh, get get out there, whatever it is, try that. You know, we've been out there uh, today, Patricia and I looking at the event location, mapping it out, measuring it out, and it feels good. I, I did events for a long, long time, and it's fun to be back into a music event like this again and see where it can go but um again please go for it go for it don't waste you know don't waste any time doing it you know i'm definitely an advocate of make plans i'm an avid chess player i'm i love that game and i, I love to approach life many times uh, my issue as a chess player is i was over aggressive many times and that uh, certainly floats into how i operate businesses or try ideas or um take on new uh new subjects or new business, whatever you call that, you know, so 
you know, my, my mom always tells me, I, I swear I got a quote on each one of these latest podcasts from my mom most of the time. And I, and I know you mom have taken it from other people, but I prefer to say that my mama said, it. love you, mom. Hi mom. Right. But, um, greatest strength, greatest weakness. If you know your greatest strength, then you also know your greatest weakness. And in doing so as either a business partner, uh, I certainly know that I'm over aggressive. I certainly know that I'm difficult to work with when I have a vision and an idea that I want to push forward. I certainly know that. And I do my best to try to, to, to curt that or curb that, if you will. Uh, and it's still difficult for me. So whatever your idea is or whatever you want to try, uh, know your greatest strength, know your greatest weakness. And going into that chess game of making that idea come to fruition, that's the information you need to know. And love the segue. Too many times bosses, well, I don't think they really understand how much influence their lives and how they act has on the entire business because it's a top-down approach. I used to say something like, uh, see the dog, see the owner, see the child, see the parent. Well, see the organization, see the head of it. Whoever's running or managing in that organization, that idea, whatever it may be, well, whatever's happening at that top end point, well, that's going to trickle down and it's going to trickle down into the culture of the business. It's going to affect the clients, the customers of that business. And it's a, it's a huge effect on that. And I think too many bosses, too many business partners that may be the majority, myself included many times, uh, don't recognize how much influence that really is having. And so the, the article that was shared to me that I'm trying to pull back up here for everybody uh, it was a great segue, right? Moving right into it. There we go. That jerk bosses aren't just an employee relations issue. They stifle innovation. And this article was, I want to give you credit too. Oh man, I don't have it pulled up right now. So I'd love to give you credit for it. If you give me two seconds, I love to give everybody credit, you know, on, on pictures that they're doing or, or uh, articles they're sharing to me. I want to make sure that I you know, get anybody in there that's done that. So uh, this one, oh, it's my boy, Tim Drugan, man, always listening. Uh, the article is from Forbes.com, uh, by the way. And so I appreciate you, Tim Drugan, sharing that article, uh, how we're going to open the podcast, right? So I don't cover many articles when I do this. So bear with me as I may read the article if it's kind of short or try to skim through it. But um, I don't even like to really read them before I go into them. So when I'm reading this article, you're going to get my raw reaction, basically what I would typically say to it. Uh, that's why I'm a little weird, <laughs> weirded out about what I'm going to say on the Facebook IV uh, or on IV. Listen to me, Facebook in vitro fertilization fundraising couple. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to respond to that. I can start to kind of hear my first initial reaction. But anyway, so uh, gone are the days of jerk bosses, even smart jerk bosses. Organizations can no longer afford to keep them around just because they can deliver results, in quotes. Korean Air, Korean Air recently found itself in the middle of a global firestorm. Last week, the CEO's daughter, Emily Chow, threw a cup of water in the face of an advertising agency employee. The Korean public's, the Korean public's fury over an earlier incident Four years ago, Emily's sister, Heather Chow, upon being served macadamia nuts in a bag instead of a bowl while aboard a Korean air flight, verbally abused the flight attendant and made the captain turn the plane around. Could you imagine being on the plane and the daughters of the owners of the flights are acting this way and they turn you around from either that business meeting you got to get to that vacation you've been saving up to go and they're like, no, turn the plane around. 
Well, she spent a few months in prison for violating aviation safety rules. Okay, all right, that's okay. We're leaning toward that. Korean Air is not playing there, huh? Uh, now, the public outcry over Emily's water rage has triggered the Korean government to seize documents from the Chow family's offices and homes. They're seeking evidence to support a claim that the family imported luxury items without declaring them through customs and used Korean Air employees to have one of those to have many of those items delivered to their home. This is you see that a lot. You see the abuse of power where, well, that's where it's going into. These actions are wrong and beyond the obvious abuse of power. I was stopping there at the abuse of power because so many times you see the boss, if you will, directing employees to do personal things. And this crossover is kind of alarming to a point. It almost becomes this indentured servant thing, right? That if you don't respond to this boss's needs, you don't bring him a sandwich. You don't go to their house and do something like that. Well, your job's on the line, essentially. You're going to hear it, right? So, I mean, uh, it's an issue. So she's using her own employees there from Korean Air to not only smuggle things back, uh, but also then deliver those things to her house, right? So um, as the article describes, wrong and beyond the obvious abuse of power, they should be alarming to any leader who wants to catalyze innovation. Peter Drucker famously said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I like that line. That the culture, I like that, the culture of the organization eats your strategy for breakfast. So, I mean, you could have the best strategy you have going into something, but if the culture of that organization is toxic, well, then that strategy is not going to last long. I I, I dig that, uh, Peter Drucker. Without a culture that fosters and stimulates innovation, an organization's chances for survival, much less for success, are limited. Jerk bosses imperil innovation in in three important ways. Lack of safety. As I clarify in my recently published book, a little shout out to your book, right? The New Science of Radical Innovation. I'm going to have to pick that book up, actually. Providing psychological safety to those around you is an essential leadership skill for leaders. So the psychological safety that's provided, how many of you go to work and you actually do worry that you may be fired? Or you may worry that based on your boss's temperament that day, that you may get yelled at. You may be scolded in some way, right? Or you may be fired. I mean, so many bosses live off that fear, that power fear that they provide. When for me, if you look at that, that's such a that's such like a Duke thing back in the day, right? The Duke of such and such, you know, that uh, I keep you fear and fear of losing your job, not thus providing psychological safety. is huge for the mental health of your employees if the employees there are one not feeling accepted or or appreciated in a certain way much less adding the loss of psychological safety feeling like they're secure in that job enough well there is no off time right they're talking about it when they're uh, when they're waking up when they're going to sleep at dinner right it becomes the topic of conversation and this certainly rattles the psychological safety and before i read on i gotta imagine that if your employees are bordering on the psychological safety idea that they're not going to perform well for you right I mean, somebody that's stuck in this hypervigilant feeling, this place, how are they going to perform for you that well? I just don't think it's, I mean, maybe you'll go on and tell me some more, right? That providing psychological safety to those around you is an essential leadership skill for leaders, especially those who supervise employees who think for a living or so-called knowledge workers. Leaders' self-management skills are critical in providing psychological safety for others. Without safety, employees can't access the best part of their brain. So beautiful. So now the science is backing up what I was ranting about, right? They're not going to be able to perform 
uh, as good as they could or even should, right? Much less be innovative in a way. So, and this is science saying this, not just emotional, sensitive people. So without safety, employees can't access the best part of their brain, the prefrontal cortex, which allows them to think creatively and provides fertile ground for inspiration to strike. This is what produces the innovation. It's serendipitous inspiration, if you will, right? On the second phase, contagious culture. Many studies show that emotions are contagious. Employees feel emotionally depleted just watching the unpleasant interactions of others at work. Can you attest to that? When you're watching somebody get berated or you're watching somebody that really does well for the company or is trying their best and they still get yelled at, nothing happens, right? I mean, even watching that. So one's happiness is related to the happiness level of even one's friends, friends, friends. So your person, your acquaintance at work, your coworker that you know, by the way, if you're working 40 hours a week with them, they might as well be part of your family. So the happiness level of those around you, the friends, friends of the friends, research, research has found that each additional happy friend increases a person's probability of being happy by about 9%. I'd love to see the mathematical equation on that, but okay, I'll take your word for it. In comparison, an extra $5,000 in income raises happiness levels by only 2%. So if we even increased the income by five grand, as many people say, right, I do this for the money, I don't do it to make friends, right? So that your happiness level doesn't only increases by 2%. When researchers sp sprayed samples of sweat, I love it, when researchers sprayed sweat samples, really, you sprayed samples of sweat on volunteers inside a brain scanner, it showed their amygdala, the fear center of our brain, lit up when exposed to scared sweat. Really? I think they made something wrong there. Anyway, you know, when scared, <laughs> but when, but not when exposed to exercise sweat. All right. So scared sweat. So if you're, if you're in fear or uh, as they're saying here, right, your amygdala becomes active, the fear center of your brain, you have this scared sweat that's happening, but when exposed to exercise sweat, it's different. Furthermore, you've seen that person sweating, right? They know they got to meet the boss at like 10 a.m. It's like 9.45. They're hanging out in the coffee center. Got a little sweat going. You're like, uh-huh. Like you're going to the principal's office in fifth grade or something, right? Furthermore, sweat from aggressive men triggered anxiety in volunteers who sniffed it. This is trippy. We are social species, and we are wired for connection. And nature has instituted extraordinary ways to facilitate, to facilitate connection with others. When a boss yells or shows gratitude for someone, the effects ripple through the entire organization, affecting the organizational culture in a negative or positive way, well beyond those within the office walls. The third, these, these are basically the third uh, effects that jerk bosses have on the culture, right? Resilience for trial and error. Radical innovation is the accidental result of profuse trial and error learning. I mean, that's what you do, right? You try something, it doesn't work. You fail, you try something, it doesn't work. Resilience for trial and error. Radical innovation has come from that. For I mean, pick, a, pick some amazing innovation. Most of the time it starts out with, well, they didn't even mean to find it. They were researching something completely opposite and they discovered, oh my God. Well, this requires failure. The trial and error learning requ requires failure, often over a long germination period. Secure attachment with others at work provides the resilience necessary to keep trying in the face of failure. 
This state of graceful openness is possible only when one is free from the fight, flight, freeze, survival battles of the amygdala. Essentially, your jerk boss is killing you and those around them. Literally, that's what I see. If you stay in a, I mean, I know enough biologically that if you're in a constant state of fight, flight, or freeze, this is what we call hypervigilance. I mean, this can, I mean, this is survival mode. When the body and the brain are operating in survival mode like this, these are mild beginning symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, okay? So research indicates that those who feel secure attachment actually experience less pain. Secure attachment is a powerful mechanism to modulate fear and make us more resilient. Secure attachment among coworkers creates a secure base to keep venturing out, trying the untested and exploring new opportunities in the face of repeated failure without fear of punishment and rejection. Secure attachment and work is essential for innovation, and innovation is critical for success. To create a culture of innovation. A question that often gets raised is if people... It, well, I'm deleted, back up, try again. To create a culture of innovation, a question that often gets raised is if it's possible to retain or retrain jerk bosses, and the answer is a resounding yes. So you're telling me there's a chance. All right, that's hard to do. Thanks, for the, thanks to the principle of neuroplasticity. Well, I speak to neuroplasticity all the time, the ability for our brains to change and adapt to response and to experiences. I mean, the whole beginning of my book is getting you to understand the idea of our plasticity, and if we can only do that with our own beliefs, right? Anyway, left field, side note, back on it, right? Certain brain structures and connections in the brain, once thought to be unchangeable after birth, change substantially over time as emotions and experiences change our brain's firing patterns depending on which circuits get stimulated. Certain neurons and connections may become stronger and more efficient, while others are pruned. As the plasticity of the brain creates different neural connections, new emotions, behaviors, and learning become available. Spending time and energy to make conscious choice, to make a conscious choice about what, a, what kind of leader you want to become is, worthy, is a worthy effort for both personnel and organizational benefits. Gone are the days of the jerk bosses, even the smart jerk, jerk bosses. Organizations can no longer afford to keep them around just because they, quotes, deliver results. This was a tweet that went off with the article. Things change too fast for one smart genius to keep pace, and their negative effects on the organization far outweigh short-term financial results. Simply like you find the boss that wants to save every little penny, save every dime. You start pinching penny, right? You seem like a financial wizard that you're finding ways to save money, I think. Uh, these are negative effects along the way. You may be the genius doing that, but if your personality there is just as, or if not more toxic than your genius, it seems that the toxicity wins out over the genius. Psychological safety is a prerequisite for people to deliver the enduring benefits of innovation. Jerk bosses are not just an employee relations issue. They stifle innovation and jeopardize business viability. I think that's a cool article to read, honestly, going through the effects that that actually has. I mean, we may not think it. How many of us come home, right, and say, yeah, my boss did this or that again, right, or said this or that. 
I mean, I think that's why I encourage at the beginning of this podcast to try your own ideas, right? To work for yourself and don't get it twisted. Working for yourself isn't some rainbow journey that's just going to be amazing, right? That you have ample free time because you start working for yourself. Uh, your free time is filled up with the working. All right. So I've, <laughs> I did a podcast on a while ago where, you know, the so many, uh, what do they call them? Influencers nowadays, right? Tell you to quit the job, right? Like I'm saying, and just go out and strike it out, right? And you'll be happier than ever, but they leave out that two, three, four, sometimes longer, five year struggle, sometimes longer of your idea getting off the ground and what that's like, uh, living dollar to dollar while you're back there, especially if you're not used to it. If you've had that so-called quote, secure job and that secure paycheck and you break out, let me tell you, it is stressful. And we just read about the psychological safety, the security, right? A lot of people can't leave that job because of that safety it provides. Uh, although I would argue that a lot of that safety is uh, an illusion and quite delusional. So many people know that uh, if you work 25, 30 years back when the recession hit not long ago, you were the first to go because you made more money, right? So many people I've met, they're like, I worked at this place 25 years and they just let me go just like that. So a lot of that psychological safety is kind of the illusion that we have. But, uh, Tim, I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. Uh, got a couple of comments I want to reveal. Uh, Kyle, what's up, brother, man? He's been on the podcast before. Check that dude out. I love him, man. He's a, a hero to so many people and what he does. But uh, Kyle Staten, I believe... I believe in culture being the most powerful part of a build of building a business. Emotional intelligence is the most important, but there needs to be a little fear from staff to administration in the culture. People can still think creatively and confident with proper leadership. It's the people that care and work hard and earn earn gratitude, huh? But sadly, most people get comfortable and then they think they don't have to perform. I'm sure you see that. I know what you do. You run a uh, uh, maybe two by now, but I know you uh, run a uh, retirement community, if you will, where there's some uh, uh, assisted living facility, I should say. But uh, um, a business pays for performance, period. Sometimes they do, brother, and sometimes they don't. A lot of times, man, a business has a performer that is doing something and they are not paid for that performance. They are just expected to continue to perform as they do and be grateful you have your job that for me is like telling a college athlete who's making a college millions of dollars be happy you get a free education but nobody's getting paid nothing i believe college athletes should be paid more than just handed a free education because i don't believe education should cost as much as it freaking does so you can't lean back and tell me how much that they get for it but that's another topic i'll cover another time you see that cognitive rampage starts to come out there um, but I, I do agree with you, too, on the other end, Kyle, is that many times employees are there. They perform less and less. They stop being innovative. They do get comfortable in that situation. But what this article is suggesting is kind of anti what you're saying here is that uh, in that comfortability and that security of having the job, being able to fail and try new things. And this is mainly uh, this article, too, was geared toward uh, thinking business positions more thought business positions related as opposed to you know any kind of physical work uh, but given that ability is where you find that radical innovation is not being afraid that if i fail at this i may lose my job right and that's what they were speaking to um let's see that business pays for performance period he says well i think i kind of had a retort for that there uh, the people who deserve it will get will get the great feelings that this article is talking about. But most people, if you're nice, just take advantage. Man, I, I get it that you deal with a lot of 
turnover probably in what you work with, man. But 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 say most people, uh, if you're nice, just take advantage. I don't know if most people take advantage, brother. Um, some people don't. You know, that's the that's just the truth. But I don't know about most there. You know, um, the people who deserve it get those feelings. But most people are nice. They take advantage. This is just my opinion and experience from my young life as a leader in business. And you're certainly uh, leading some businesses, brother. No doubt. So I mean, uh, I, I definitely take heed to what you're saying. Uh, I'm currently trying to learn how to be more of a jerk for this reason. I've been run dry by being the nice boss. Well, brother, I'm going to venture to say that if you've been run dry by being the nice boss, who's above you? Who above you is the one giving you criticism for being a nice boss that's getting you run over? I mean, you can make those stiff decisions and lean back on policy, but you can remain the nice boss. But if you stick to the policy, then you're floating the policy and it's not your choice, right? You don't get to overlook the policy, but perhaps you're getting a little stifled over time because the people above you, maybe they're not being nice to you and allowing you to fail and let that nice boss culture um, return innovation possibly, right? And again, don't let, a, you know, even if it's the majority, don't let the majority of the employees there, Kyle, ruin who you are. You know, don't turn into somebody else and turn into a different kind of leader, because what you may end up doing is, is you're trying to balance it all right as you try to not be the nice boss anymore. You pick up this plate that's spinning. And I got to act this way. Well, if you do that, you're going to lose some of the those good parts about the nice boss, that culture you create. You know, I, I would tell you to stay focused on how you believe leadership should be, brother. Uh, Tim Drugan, the share of this article, man. Um, he's missing a couple of things, but he's for sure talking about it. Jeremy Russell, sometimes we think in the short term uh, we'll win over. That, that will, yes, I agree with you, uh, Jeremy, that you think we'll win them over in the short time. That, yeah, well, they'll, they'll like us if we just make this deal, if we just get this contract, if we're just nice to them, right? Maybe do something, right? But it's short term, dig deep, right? I like that, man. Uh, what's up, Chris Evelyn? Old friend of mine, man. Still need that trip to the mountains, brother. That's a little inside joke. It's hilarious, man. Kyle, uh, you got your retort going. Uh, you got, I mean that as in when you pay, when you pay, you are expected to perform. Sure. When you're paid, you're expected to perform. And if you're not performing, don't expect the gratitude. Okay. Yeah, I dig that, brother. I dig that, man. Uh, I definitely dig that. I appreciate everybody participating. Angela, welcome to the show. Hope you're doing well. Hope the little baby's good. Um, she is attesting to going live. Vincent Drugan, what's up, man? Patrick Macy, Amy Allen, uh, Randy Harrison, Wesley Earl, what's up, brother, man? Hope, uh, hope I see you on the mic here soon. Uh, Kevin Fagan also tuning in, as always, my lovely Patricia, uh, watching from the other room. Got through that first article. It took 32 minutes after my blabbering in the beginning, but let's move on. I know this next article is actually pretty short. Um, <laughs> They have their faces smiling uh, that we're having a baby. They got their thumbs up. This article is coming from BBC uh, in the UK. Facebook I, uh, Facebook in vitro fertilization fundraising couple announces pregnancy. A couple received 2,000 pound donation from Facebook friends to help them get I, IVF treatment has revealed that they're expecting their second child. Yay! Up to 75 women joined the May Babies 2016 Facebook group and raised the money from Marisha Chaplin and John Hibbs from, yeah, let's just say the UK, Nottinghamshire, something like that, from Nottinghamshire. The pair already have a daughter as a result of IVF, but were unable to afford a second round of treatment until the group's intervention. The group raised money secretly. Okay, so the group raised money secretly and told Miss Chaplin 
in a special video. So they raised it secretly to help them have a second child. <sighs> Where do I begin? Um, I'll give you my first initial emotional responses that are coming from what I'm thinking. Uh, if you don't have the money to pay for those, I mean, 2,000 pounds is not a whole lot. If you don't have that to get pregnant, what do you have in the bank to raise the child? Come on. Come on, people. I mean, so many times people get pregnant. It's like, oh, it's a blessing. It's great. It's like, yeah, uh, but you don't even have the money to afford the first one, much less yourself. I mean, just because you can have sex, possibly, I, am I too out on a limb to say just because you can have sex and make a baby, you deserve one? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I know we can't control it. It's nuts to think about how you stop it, right? I get it. I don't want to get all crazy about it, um, you know, and get all Gestapo on the damn thing. But how many people keep having kids that can't afford the first one or on, at home on disability, you know, that do this and kick that out? So for me, I mean, there's tons of research that shows how much one child costs over an 18-year period and how much money you need to bring in. I mean, they have one that they had to raise money for the first time to have uh, IVF. And if I was a comedian, I'd say something like, maybe God's telling you you shouldn't have one. But then I get a bunch of bad emails, right? It was funny when Bill Burr said it. Not funny when I say it. But I know somebody was thinking, all right, so there. You were thinking it, and then I said it, and then there it is. So my point is the money here. I mean, not so much that, hey, you couldn't get pregnant, so you use some science to do it. That's cool. It's whatever. It's the world we live in. It's awesome. Do your thing. You know, and, and you do see a rise of autism as well um, in older couples that try to have uh, a baby by doing IVF, et cetera. So there's a lot of issues to raise medically, but just the, and then they did it secretly, right? So the couple received the donation, somebody did it for them and, and hooked them up, I guess. But for me, I, I, there's so many other things that money could be going to much less, you know, if you don't have the money to afford it, you didn't have the money to afford it the first time. Um, you know, it's just for while I'm here and I really do this. I'm going to search the, IVF cost and just kind of see on average nationally a IV cycle costs about twelve thousand dollars before medications, which typically run another three to five thousand dollars. So you're sitting somewhere around twenty thousand dollars to have a cycle. And this doesn't even guarantee pregnancy. You can also guarantee quadruplets, right? Quadruplets, right? So you're looking at twenty grand. And let's see, I wonder if just what the mighty Google would say, right? Is um let's do Money in savings before having. Oh, look, it pops up. Somebody else has searched it too. Before having a baby, right? Let's see. Um, now the first six months is going to run you about five grand, not counting any doctor's visits. Um, da, 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 da. I'm trying to get some more. So let's see, this is 2018. So. Having kids is expensive. One parent who tracked every dollar found that she spent $20,000 in the first 18 months alone. And that's on the low end. Households bringing in $200,000 plus can spend about $52,000 just in the first 12 months of their newborn's life, according to a report at NerdWallet. So that's the kind of money we're talking about having. So that's why I say I'm not nuts when I'm talking. I'm not just a mean guy talking about it here. When you're looking at that kind of money in the beginning, and they're merely getting 2,000 pounds here. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like, I don't know, in the first one. So this is even the second one, 
right, is you did your, you, you got pregnant the first time, right? So you're talking $2,561.60 is what you're talking about. 2,000 pounds, about $2,500. So $2,500 to spend to get pregnant, you didn't have the first time, you didn't have the second time, but you want a baby the second time in 20. Hell, if you want to buy a house, you need at least, <laughs> you need double, three, four times that most of the time to put down just to buy a house, and that appreciates in value. I, I don't know. I'm probably pissing some people off. <laughs> I'm sorry if I am or if that's your thing, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's in the wild out there. So let's see who I wanted to also pull up who shared that article to give you, I don't know, maybe a pat on the head or something, or maybe it was just funny, <laughs> funny to share. You want to hear me go off on it, or maybe you had similar reactions like I did. Uh, oh, that's the poet himself, Sabu Mahai, uh, in the tribe of chains there, man. Uh, one heck of a poet always posts, but, uh, yeah, so that happened in that article. Moving forward. The next one's kind of long. I thought about even saving it for its own show. Um, it's uh, how a tight-knit Pacific Island community is saving its culture. There are now more people in Tukluan descent, or descent, yeah, living in Hawaii than in the tiny island nation, which is threatened by rising seas. That's a long article, I'm telling you read you through all this entire article, what they're trying to do and save their culture. But, um, you know, I like the article so much, Jason. Uh, Jason's always sharing in the tribe of change. Uh, I'm going to, and Jason Marinovich, uh, love you very much. And I, this is from the civilbeat.org as well. Uh, it gets pretty deep. And I'd like to talk about this on a, on, on a longer note because I want to talk about smaller cultural uh, creations and other cultures that are dying within the United States and around the world too. And a big argument about how when cultures begin to disappear, you begin to hear the evolution argument, right? That as a human species, we are to evolve, we are to go further, and we have to let old cultural habits die. We have to not keep those alive, but at the same time, you hear uh, how having cultural connections uh, is a good thing, right? About having things that we do uh, repeatedly, right? Ritualistic type ideas. And so many smaller subcultures within the United States are are blooming, are being born, if you will, and getting much larger. And and rare ones, too, that uh, many years ago I would have never thought would be as big as they are. And other subcultures are disappearing. And as they disappear, certain people whine, certain people are saying, hey, we got to save this culture. And I'm, I'm for a lot of saving that culture sometimes, right off rip when I think about it, being a Native American myself. And trying to hold on to that culture, but I honestly see that's where I want to link all this. Jason is part of Native American culture. I, they were infected themselves, uh, agreed, and, and things took them over as well. They were divided like crazy. They almost divided themselves. Uh, this cultural connection it starts with the loss of language, as this uh, wonderful article starts to spell out. So I'd like to make a longer connection, Jason. So forgive me if I don't share that tonight. But this is a podcast within itself is trying to save this culture and what they're doing as a community to do so being the language etc the wonderful history of this culture and how so many other cultures not only are being lost and disintegrated but the cultures are being changed about what really happened how it really was and history stories are changing those cultures over time and sometimes writing them right out of the history books i mean it's it's an intense topic that i like to get you know deeper into you know so um, I like the random podcast like this kind of popping up and not really having uh, 
didn't really plan this one out. Really, I just wanted to read these articles. This is a weekly show that I think I'm going to try to do. And so if you're in the Tribe of Change or if you're watching now live and you'd like to be in the Tribe of Change, simply find the Tribe of Change there. Ask to be in the group. Uh, the moderators there will uh, let you in or not after they uh, check you out a little bit. No, no stalking. No, we just got to make sure we keep the trolls out, honestly. But uh, please, in the Tribe of Change, keep posting those articles uh, like you're doing. I want to do this every week. I'm not going to narrow myself down to a day. Uh, I'm just not going to do it, but at least once a week, sometime during the week, I want to sit down, pull out these articles. And I'm asking people that are in the tribe, if you're an article reader, you may not even be an article reader, right? You may be a skimmer or something, right? Maybe a book reader and skim by the articles or something, but don't share me all of your articles that you're reading, right? I want that one. I try to read a couple articles a day uh, or at least uh, read one or two and skim 10, right? Uh, but share that one that really hits you. You know, maybe you wait till the end of the week. Maybe we do this thing on Friday night kind of thing to where you got all week to kind of sift through all your articles and whatever that favorite article was that really touched you, moved you, something that was um, deep to you, share that on the Tribe of Change. And I'll collect those articles and, and go through them. I may post that I'm going to cover a lot of them. Uh, and like tonight, it may wind up being something I, I realize I want to go further deep into. And I've already been here 42 minutes. Uh, I'd be here another hour and 42 minutes talking about that uh, tight-knit community in the Pacific Islands doing that because I'll link that to a lot of other things. But I don't know. I think it was interesting talking about the jerk bosses, learning something about that culture, what it really means. And if you're that boss, well, you can change that. And think about the power that you have in that culture and people's happiness. And don't abuse that power that you actually can turn their lives the other way by being different with those people in your organization uh, that you really, really can. So um, a little uh, comment here again with uh, Jamie Collin. Uh, good words, brother. Spent the last 10 years working in mental health with First Nations. You know, we have so much lost knowledge that needs to be preserved. That's true. Well, man, you're working right on the front lines there, man. Uh, I appreciate you doing that. And uh, you do see a lot of... Uh, I don't know. I see. I saw a lot of our culture when I went on my two-year walkabout, if you will. Uh, I went to a reservation or two, and you see so much corruption and greed has infected, uh, well, deeply into that culture. And you do see it going away. You you see it disappearing, um, uh, not just with the language, but the language is all but gone in many, many uh, of the tribes. But even the food, the food that's eaten, the uh, rituals that are done, uh, a lot of that seems to go away. And, you know, uh, people would argue, brother, they would argue, they'd say, hey, you know, we evolve, we move, we we get further around. We have to uh, let those old things go. Well, Christmas is still here, man. I'm still celebrating Thanksgiving, which is pretty much the eradication of my people. And we still celebrate that. We still celebrate these other ritualistic months that are really geared toward being economic drivers during the month. If you notice, there's some holiday where we all got to go spend money uh, at least once a month of some kind, whether it be that a religious holiday and some other religious holiday or some fake one uh, <laughs> on may 5th right that has nothing to do with mexico and we created that so you have you know these inventions of things that that go on that seem to be tradition if you will so there's that argument man uh that you have to walk between how do we evolve as a human and as a culture as a species at the same time but then hold on to culture at the same time or where our roots lie if you will and then pass that forward or pay it forward or does it even need to be 
right? Or, or is it the strong survive? Are we taking a Darwinism uh, approach and really saying the strong culture survive, right? I mean, those with guns wins and those with the bigger bombs maintain. But this seems to be an old culture I'd love to see go the way of the birds, you know? So, you know, there's just so much to, to talk about that topic, and I'm still rambling uh, on that topic. Anyway, but uh, sorry if I offended you and you have had a child with uh, in vitro fertilization or you can't have a child or you struggle to and that's the route you're trying to go. But I will not take back that please have your finances in order the best you can before you start raising money to afford to have a child that you can't even afford to have. Okay. So I'm just, I'm just saying, take it that way, please. And I know you don't need money to raise a good kid. I'm not that person either that says you need to, because that can be terrible too. Tons of research shows you that, you know, the children from very well-off families, mentals, mental health can, can really suffer. And also those from poverty do the same and those that struggle. So uh, there's no perfect way, right? I'm not describing or, 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 you know, proclaiming some perfect way to do it. But 2500 bucks, you don't have that. And you want a kid that bad, and you don't have that, and you're trying to pop out a second one? Come on, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too rational. Probably to my own detriment, too rational, right? I don't know. I get pretty irrational sometimes, too. But um, the jerk bosses was, uh, I enjoyed that article. I really did. And something to think about, man. If you're a boss, man, think about it. And if you're that employee, think about it. You know, if you're that employee, take this article, right? Uh, I think I was telling you where it's at. It's a Forbes article. I'll uh, comment it here so people can find it. I'll pull it up right here. Paste it right here. That way you can read through the article uh, yourself. And I don't know, print it out and put it up on the cork board in the coffee room. Maybe uh, that jerk boss will find it, you know. And I'll tell you, in a lot of these companies, as you're reading in the article here, a lot of these companies, they're owned by the board, right? They're publicly traded. And if that culture becomes infected like that, it may not be long before your boss gets the axe as this research starts to come out like this. So there's certainly a job culture changing. I, I feel that for sure. I certainly feel a different kind of culture uh, that's on the rise as an entrepreneur. Sometimes you don't feel it directly working directly with a partner or with another group, even as a subcontractor. Uh, you're able to peer in to those work cultures and see how they're changing and where they're not changing and where it seems to be beneficial and where it doesn't. But it's fun. So I appreciate y'all joining me, hanging out on the kind of rampage tonight. Uh, I will I will leave y'all uh, with this one. I'll leave you with a little bit of this. There is a serious, serious rant. And I use rant because most people that don't listen to the podcast, they, I don't want to go into what cognitive rampage means. But there is a serious, serious cognitive rampage building up inside of me. One I've been quiet on for a long time that probably here soon in a week or so, I'm going to go off. Uh, I'm not going to be able to hold back. I'm going to get all tombstone with it and just be like, say when, and I'm going to cut this thing on and go live. And that may be next week. I don't know. It may be tomorrow. I'm trying to kick out a lot more content right now. Again, I, I've been getting messages for more content. And I'm like, I hey, got 212 episodes after tonight. I'll get fine. I'll, I'll find some more. Uh, I'll kick out some more. So there is a serious cognitive rampage building up inside of me. And you know what? It may come out on the tight knit Pacific Island community um, saving its own culture podcast because, well, this has to do with our culture here in the United States and corruption here in the United States, uh, mass media, 
the person watching it, this stemmed, by the way, uh, a couple of nights ago when I just went off. I even woke up in the morning going off about it. Probably wasn't good for me, but whatever. I tried to watch the news the other day. I woke up about 4.30 in the morning, had slept already, and sometimes I like those early mornings, and I got up and I tried to watch the news. I tried ABC. I tried <laughs> I tried CNN. I tried all of the acronyms, all right? I tried all the alphabets. And as I started watching it, I kind of removed myself from watching the news and was just kind of saying, what is, what am I absorbing through my eyes and ears right now? And then watching how it was delivered to me and the redundancy of how it's delivered and how this is done day in and day out and day in and day out, whether it's those corny morning shows where they all jump up and down over something stupid, uh, or it's the news rotation that I that some people watch or religiously watch every morning. Um, ah, it just fueled me. And when I think that fuel, when that fuel tank is about ready to go, I'll probably end up going live. Uh, but I will tell you this, if you're new to listening to the cognitive rampage and you've been listening, say for the last 50 episodes or, or, or so, I don't know, last 20 episodes, uh, you haven't heard the cognitive rampage go off like I used to back in the day. And this topic is certainly going to hurt some feelings more than likely. Uh, but frankly, uh, I love you, but it needs to be said. And I may have some people throw their Guy Fox mask on and join me too. But uh, I hope you do. And for joining me tonight, I appreciate everybody. Um, Michelle Allen, Michelle Ham jumping in here at the end too. I hope you all are doing well. But thank you again to everyone who's downloading the podcast. Allow me to show my cognitive gratitude to you all now. I wish I knew all of your names who've ever downloaded the podcast and all the countries that, that we're in now and those that watch live on Facebook, those that watch later on YouTube, those that listen to, listen to it on uh, Stitcher. If you have an Android, we're on the Stitcher app or if you're international outside the United States and you listen to Podbean uh, or iTunes itself, Thank you, everybody all across the globe who download, who listen, who share, who suggest this podcast or suggest my book to other people. Just thanks, man. Just thank you, women, too. All right. I'm not forgetting you all. Thank you, everybody, for doing that and download again. Just man, I get all the clips, man. Talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves. You know, I get all the clips thinking about that so just thank you all for inviting me into your earbuds into your car when you're driving to work or your laptop or where it is or however you listen to this podcast thank you uh, for listening and sharing and being a part of my life for so long and if you're new to the rampage thank you for inviting me into your life as well be on the lookout for that cognitive rampage where i'm gonna let it ride i'm gonna let it go pretty heavy but until then Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your cognitive rampage.